Jessica and Carla's high school reunion is back, and this week's special guest is Stacy Herf Hurley. Stacy graduated from UNM and spent nine years in Alaska, first working at a salmon processing plant and then teaching middle school. After a four-year stint in Bellingham, Washington, she and her husband moved to Syracuse, New York, and that's where Stacy's passion for animals really blossomed. Stacy has worked in outreach and education roles for more than a decade now, and she's currently living in San Diego and working for the Humane Society. We had such a great time catching up with Stacy, and we know you will enjoy listening to her stories and reflections as much as we did. Thanks for being here. Did you survive the break? Did you love being in Clovis and lounging and reading books? And I had a really relaxing time in Clovis. I got a jigsaw puzzle table as a gift. So I have... Is it one of those ones that rotates? Yes! It's got like a lazy Susan and it's got built-in drawers and you can put a plastic cover over it and move it from room to room without jostling the pieces. Oh my gosh. I'm like officially an old lady now. I'm so happy. Oh my gosh. Well, I saw it come over like my Instagram and maybe it's because you got one and it just knows <laughs> yes. that you and I know each other. And so yes. it's already feeding me stuff. I saw it. I saw it has that cool cover. You yeah, have a I Taylor Swift puzzle attached to it. That would be really freaky. <laughs> Speaking of Taylor Swift, look, Leah got me this adorable Christmas present, which is a photo of us from the concert. And apparently a QR code or something for a Taylor Swift song that we like. Oh, I love that. What a cute. That is so cute. I know. That was a very I did get, I did get from a 15 year old. I did get, um, I know they can, they can do these things. They, they, they can they, do it. I did get Piper a little ornament with like ticket. Yeah. Yeah. How was your Christmas um, and your New Year's? Well, oh, good. Very good. Very low-key. Not a lot going on. We stayed at home. Jackson left today for Boston, so people are starting to slowly depart. I take Lily down to Santa Barbara this weekend. So, yeah, it's good. It was very, very chill, and so I needed that. Now I'm having a really hard time, though, rebooting. I feel that. I feel like my attention span is about 30 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) I'll sit down to work on something and I'm like, oh, this is not working for me. (laughs) Um, Well, I haven't even really started working again yet. I went to the grocery store this morning and stocked up on foods that we might actually nourish our bodies with. And then I cleaned out the fridge when I got home, like sprayed it all down with disinfectant. I mean, I really went to town, which maybe is procrastinating about getting back to work, but it needed to happen. Kind of, but you also got to do that stuff. You got to do that stuff Yeah, there was stuff in there that was like Thanksgiving era. I'm like, 
Okay. Oh, Time to move this out. <laughs> well, I am curious. When you think about yourself at the start of a new year, are you more of a, I'm going to reflect on the year past and think about what I learned, or are you more a, I'm going to make New Year's resolutions and I'm going to look forward? I do both. I, at around this time every year, I do some reflection and I try to think about whether I achieved what I wanted to achieve or spent the time that I wanted to spend. I know this is going to shock you in six different domains. Okay. <laughs> and, um, and I actually refer to those throughout the year. Like once a month, I look at like, what did I say I was going to try to do with my financial life, with my oh. romantic life, with my work life, with my family life? Um, health. So um, I do that. I have not done the reflection yet for last year and I have not set mm -hmm. um, hopes and dreams for this year yet, but I will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll report good. back next week because I'm giving myself okay. a coming uh week to. Yeah. I kind of feel like we're in this weird in between right now. Like it's not like my kids are not back in school until well, yeah, no one's back until next week. Exactly. So, so yeah. right. it doesn't so it's not. It's still vacation. It doesn't count. <laughs> I agree. I feel like I feel like Martin Luther King Day is really the new year because everyone's back in school, <laughs> and you've had a chance to kind of detox from the holiday, and mm -hmm. uh, I kind of use the first couple of weeks of January as a time to get organized. So I will, I will come back. But yeah. you, I know, did some reflection prior to the year end and set an ex, a, a hope for yourself for the year, which you shared in your L&D newsletter. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I always like to come up with a mantra or a word of the year. And so I've had all sorts of different ones over the years. Um, uh, but this year I did write that piece on what it means to go all in and something and that that felt like a fun mantra to have this year. I'm all in, I'm all in. I love it. So what that will look like, I don't know yet, but I got lots of good feedback on that article and it was really fun to write and it was a great ending of the year. Now, in terms of resolutions, you know, I mean, I always, I always try to set some goals and I, you know, I think they're not quite as oriented by different domain, but Obviously, I'm often thinking about health and wellness. I'm often thinking about work goals. I'm often thinking about how to connect with people. So connection goals, relationship goals. But I'm probably not as disciplined about looking at them each month. <laughs> I mean, what's funny is some of them, I look at them, but then I don't do anything about them. And I just push that along to the next month. So. Yeah, I'm not doing so well with that. Oh well. <laughs> I have a I have an inkling about what my overarching um goal will be for the year. But I'm not ready to share it yet. But more so than in previous years, I feel like there is okay. one big lever that I could work on that would positively affect 
a bunch of different areas of my life. Stay tuned. Oh, I can't wait to hear. <laughs> Stay tuned. Well, I started the year by doing, do you know who Wendy McNaughton is by any chance? No. Is her name familiar to you? I don't think so. She's an artist. She, you, you would know her work. if you've. Do you have the cookbook, Fat, Heat, Salt, Acid, or whatever? I don't, but I know you have what you're talking about. I've, I have seen the book. Okay, so she does all the illustrations to that. Oh, cool. Um, she often will have things in the New York Times, but she has a program for um, kids um, about drawing. It's called Draw Together. And so she's like a little modern day Mr. Rogers. But then she also has something called the Grown Ups Table, the Gut. And so she's running a 30-day drawing challenge. So I've, I've started working on that oh, with her. Cool. And it's really fun. And it's like a lot of doodling, like she has mm -hmm. you doodle and stuff like that. So today's was based on Keith Haring and we had to pick something from our do more and do less, do more this year of. Yeah. And so those were three things that I focused on and that was today's drawing. So I love that. Is that's kind of fun. That is self-paced or did I already miss the starting mm -hmm. point? No, no, you can totally pay. I'll send you the link. But she's amazing. She's like one of my serious heroes. She's a really cool woman. She lives in San Francisco. And she just, she's just like wants to get everyone drawing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. We got to get on there. I know. So exciting. Stacy Hurley is our guest. I know. She is just one of those people who beams sunshine and has totally stayed in touch with so many of us so well and I'm really just looking forward to seeing her absolutely and you know obviously she I mean I'm sure you remember this about her I mean she was an incredible tennis player yep. in school and I just can't picture her in school without one of her two sidekicks which tended to be Stephanie Miles and then Heather Kennedy mm -hmm. Gosh, yeah, I just think of her always with one of those two mm -hmm. and um, with a tennis racket in hand and very funny sock lines. <laughs> and yeah, and so she was always so positive. Um, and I know that she's been very involved with sort of animal rights stuff. I think mm -hmm. she lived for a while and she lived in Alaska for a while. I am not sure where she lived, but I do remember that she's been working with um, an animal rescue group and doing mm -hmm. education about animals um, with, I'm, I'm thinking primarily with school groups, but we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll see. So when we get to the point to ask her about her gearbook, I think what, what I would like to ask her about is the line from her senior will. Okay. Because I don't get it. I won't. And I'm hoping she will explain it. It says, Stacy Kerf leaves for the last time. <laughs> Was she always leaving? I guess that's what I'm wondering. What is she talking about? What are they talking about? I'll be very curious. Stacy came in ninth grade, correct? I was trying to remember that. I, For some reason, I felt like could have even been 10th grade, but it probably was ninth grade. Definitely not eighth grade. Yeah. Well, another thing I just wanted to take, make note of is that we haven't had 
a gal on for a while. And so here we go. Hi, ladies. And happy new year. Crazy. <laughs> 2024. I'm happy new year to you too. Well, Stacy, it's so awesome to have you and to have your lady energy <laughs> with us today. And um, <laughs> That's right. you've listened to enough of these podcasts, so you know that we sort of start at the same place every time. And we ask the question, what have you been doing for the last 35 years? Oh, my goodness. Yes, I have been listening and I love listening to everybody. So um, I have had a lot of moving around for the last 35 years, which has been actually a lot of fun. Um, after college, I ended up, uh, I went fresh year, my first year I went to St. Mary's College in California and um, returned uh, to UNM the following year, which I said I would never do. And <laughs> there I was, um, but actually ended up absolutely loving it there and finding my place on the tennis team there and have lots of um, lifelong friends from that time in life. So um, much better than, I, I just never anticipated staying in college, staying in Albuquerque for college, but worked out very well. And then um, that actually probably started off my journey of many travels. Um, my, my best friend in college went off to Alaska um, one of the summers to uh, work in the salmon processing plant up in Anchorage, Alaska. And wow. she went up one summer and loved it and um, just had a great time. And I thought, oh, I'll go. I'm going to try that. So I went back um, or I went up there the following summer and was just connected with the same um, company that she had worked for, this great Pacific Seafoods. And it was basically literally just processing millions of pounds of salmon every year, which now um, it is funny to think about what I was doing back then, but um, <laughs> yes, and going out on fishing boats and things. But uh, yeah, so it was, um, you made your money by just working ridiculous amounts of hours we would work like hundred hour weeks and it was, I know it's like my husband now is like, who are you like, like, who's that? Like, there's no way it was crazy. Well, it must so, have been light. Right. I mean, you could yes. just be outside oh, yeah. for, I mean, it was always light. It's so always it light in the like... summer. It's like the coolest thing. It's like, um, like it gets like dusk from about like, I'd say like 2 AM to 5 AM. But other than that, it is, like just it's daylight. I mean, kids, it would be, it was fascinating. Kids could like, you'd have like a tea time for golf course at like 10 PM. Um, or like your kids could be playing in the street at midnight because it's daylight, you know, um, it was pretty bonkers. I ended up doing that actually for six summers in a row. Wow. Um, yeah. So that was, um, just kind of found some friends there and, um, my friend who went the first summer never went back. So I um, just found my place. And then it was just kind of like a little adventure every summer. And Alaska is beautiful. And then I ended up in this town called Whittier, um, Alaska, which is like the craziest little place. It has um, like you had to take a train uh, through a, a mountain to get there. And that was like the only way in and out of the town. Like people could drive their cars onto the train and go into the town no yeah and it only had like certain times and like the, i think in the winter it like went in and out of the town two times a week so like it had um oh wow it was so bizarre it had and it had two buildings 
that had um, like two apartment buildings for housing. So people just lived in these two buildings. And then one of the buildings had an underground tunnel to the school and there'd be like 16 total students, K through 12. And they just in this little room and um, like they had like one store and then they had like, and, and you only had to dial the last four digits of the phone number and they'd answer like bar store. <laughs> it was like, it was bonkers. It was. Wait, wait, wait. How long were you there? I ended up, I worked in Whittier for five summers. So, so it, it was still just the summers. That yes. You were there. Oh, I do. Yeah, I wouldn't, cannot live it. Right. I was going to say, were you now there like a full time? Oh my gosh. No, like, oh no. There was, I think there was like 200 full time residents. I mean, there was like this a woman who like walked her reindeer every day. I mean, it was just like, <laughs> it was so funny. And it's like literally, there's like a song called like, nothing could be shittier than to find yourself in Whittier in the morning. <laughs> So, yeah, so that was quite the adventure, but that led me to um, actually right. moving there. And um, one of my college roommates from actually my freshman year at St. Mary's um, ended up working in the summers with me there. And then we drove the Alaska Highway in 1998 and um, moved to Alaska. And it was just like the most beautiful place. It was just so pristine and it just was, it just, it's gorgeous. If, if you can go there at any point in life, you should. It's just a, it's a cool place to visit. But um, so I went up there my first year and um, I got some long-term sub jobs, which then turned into full-time teaching positions. So Were you in Anchorage? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. So I um, okay. started doing a long-term sub job at this middle school. Um, and then I got a full-time position there as eighth grade language arts teacher and woohoo. Yes. Which was really fun. It was a beautiful school. It was pretty new. Um, we had an incredible principal. So it was a really great, um, it was a great first teaching experience. I think it kind of, um, uh, ruined me <laughs> for any other teaching experiences that I had after that. Cause it was, staff was amazing. Principal was amazing. Kids, school, families. It was pretty great. Um, and I did that for eight years and um, lived in Alaska for a total of nine years. And that's, and I met my husband up there. Um, so we actually interviewed, um, so our team needed a new science teacher. And we actually interviewed Mark over the phone and uh, he was in uh, Minnesota and he got the job clearly. <laughs> And so he drove across the country to um, Anchorage and I had been keeping in touch with him just as like a new teacher and being like, you know, if you're looking for an area in town or like, just let me know, you know, these are good places to find an apartment. And he ended up um, arriving there and to his apartment that he'd rented sight unseen in a part of town that I told him to rent from, which I was very close to, but it was not very nice. And so he um, went to the closest um, payphone. This is how old our relationship is. And looked me up in the phone book and <clears throat> then called. And then he uh, actually, I, I, he was like two blocks away. So I said, oh, you can just come stay in my guest room. And then we started dating like three weeks later. And then, and we worked <laughs> next, I know it's kind of crazy. <clears throat> and worked next door to each other for five years as teachers. And then, um, which was, which was very entertaining and the kids 
think they would find out and then they'd, oh, oh, that's ridiculous. You know, I mean, it was pretty funny. They'd see us like grocery shopping and we'd be like, oh, we're getting snacks for our field trip. And they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. So we were there. I loved living in Alaska, but we, so we were there five years together. I was there nine years total and then just ready to um, leave the snow and the, like, it's so far up, you know, just the isolation of being, you know, you had to fly three hours to Seattle to get anywhere. So it was just, it was fun while it lasted, but I was definitely ready to be done teaching. I was um, mm. ready and he was ready to be done. He'd only taught five years and he, it was not his um, thing. We ended up picking Bellingham, Washington, mm. which we love. And so that took us there and I got a teaching job there and taught sixth grade there and had some much more challenging schools than my other schools. Mm. And yeah, so I taught four years there. And by, yeah, by the end of, by the end of Bellingham, I was, I was done. I was just like not having, just not enjoying anymore. Teaching is very hard. You both know. Yeah. So it was just time to, to move on and find something different. And I wasn't at all sure what that different was going to be at that time. Um, and the same time, Mark was <clears throat> exploring some new career opportunities as well. And he um, applied to become, he went through the process to become an FBI agent. And so that kind of then, um, then we kind of had to take life where his job took us, which, which yeah. ended up being okay. Yeah. Which was kind of fine because, you know, then um, that was a, I didn't know that. So he's yes. an FBI agent. Yeah. <gasps> But he, we had actually had a teacher's aide in Anchorage whose husband was an FBI agent. And he's like, it's a great profession. They want people from all walks of life. It's a really good thing to get into. You get all the training, you know. So he went through the process. He started, he like submitted his resume February. And he found out like after all the interview process, physical, all the things you have to do in November that he had finally been accepted. And then they assigned you to a class at Quantico and that wasn't until April. So like from it, mm. and then he had to go there for five months. And so at that time, when he was at Quantico, I was selling our house in Bellingham and they um, let you rank cities of where you want to move. Um, and we got our 42nd choice. So that was really super. <laughs> I know. So they like, there's like 52 main what? offices and they, I know it was like, he did. So, he, he must've made someone. Else. <laughs> I know it's like, it's so funny. So like, um, so they, you, you go to Quantico, they, you pick up an envelope, they just call you up and then you open your orders and you read it in front of the whole like group. And then it's like, so he opened his papers and he was like Albany and the whole group was like Albany. Like, so he didn't even know how to pronounce where we were moving. And it was like, Albany, New York. Yes, so it was Albany, oh, New York. Golly, which was I know like Troy. I know it was like <laughs> such a culture. And he you know, calls me, and I'm like, oh my gosh, and I'm like googling, you know, where it is, and it's like, <laughs> oh my word, like so far from anything, you know, all of our family, friends, everything that we'd been near, and um, so he thought, so he was going there for about a month, and then each like main office has smaller offices off of it. And so about a month after that, he was told we were going to Syracuse, that they needed us in Syracuse. So after doing like a month of, oh, this isn't so bad, like it's three hours to New York, three hours to Boston, three hours to Burlington, Vermont. This is a cool like little place. And then it was like, nope, you're going two hours further um, west from all of those things. Um, so 
yes so that was the first time to roll oh with the punches gosh. um but yeah so we and how long is that initial assignment i'm just thinking about it from your perspective like um can you make plans for yourself or do you have any expectation about how long you'll be in a community the first assignment was a minimum of three years so we ended up being there for five years and that was a really like um, mm -hmm. pivotal time for me because I, I knew I didn't want to be a teacher anymore, but I also was like, well, what do I want to do? I had been involved in Bellingham. I got really involved in dog rescue. Um, and that's where kind of that started for me. Like I'd adopted my dog in Anchorage, but like I didn't really get truly involved in that world until Bellingham. And um, when we uh, moved to Bellingham, like the first, it was actually our 23rd day of living there. And we took my Cocker Spaniel for um, an off-leash walk at this designated area. And she got killed by a wild animal. And it was literally, yes, it was like, it's literally the most horrible thing that's ever happened in my life. It was, she was like the love of my life. Like she was, and she, oh I mean, she survived God. like being stomped on by a moose in Alaska. She had, she was a tough little girl. But so she, so that was literally like my third day of teaching in this new school in Bellingham. And it just was, it just rocked my world. It was, it was, and it was just like being in a new place. We didn't know anybody. Nobody knew her. Like, it was just like, it was, that was really, really hard. And so that kind of started my, you know, we started volunteering at the animal, um, with an animal rescue there. And that's when I got really, really um, involved in that world. And um which has also like changed the kind of course of my life as well. Um, and I just started doing some dog sitting in our house and it was, I knew it was just going to kind of be this time, like, Oh, well, I can do this in Syracuse and figure out, give me time to figure out what I really want to do. And um, which was nice to have that freedom at that time. Um, Syracuse was really funny because you know, we left Anchorage to escape the snow and the cold and everything. <laughs> that was a funny joke on Stacy. <laughs> so, like yeah. Syracuse apparently has like more annual snowfall than Anchorage. It was like, what is happening? So our first winter, I think we had like 171 inches of snow and it was, it was, uh, it was, that was, that was no fun. <laughs> this is why you live in San Diego now. <laughs> exactly. So I'm finally getting my, uh, um, I'm finally getting, yes, all my payback for those, for the, for scraping windshields and shoveling driveways and all that good stuff. So yeah, so Syracuse was kind of a, a good time for me to kind of figure out what I wanted to do. And so I did dog sitting in my house, um, which was um, fun and challenging and uh, a, a, an adventure. So like the dog stayed there and I just got to um, you know, do lots of dog walks every day and go on adventures, which was fun. So yeah, so then I went, so in Syracuse, I found another uh, rescue group. They were called Q's Pit Crew, and they were a pit bull advocacy group. Um, and it was this just great group of women who had started this um, group, and it was more about education and um, supporting shelters and especially supporting pit bulls in shelters um, mm -hmm. and learned a lot. Like I hadn't really... I've known have any feelings about pit bulls or known much about them, but I have learned um, to love them and they're amazing and they get such a bad rap. And yeah, so um, if there's one thing you want everyone to know about pit bulls, oh gosh, because I do think that. I mean, what what would you say? 
I think someone who's like, no way, that's not the dog that I want. Well, I think that it's like every dog needs to be treated as an individual. I mean, just like um, a golden retriever could bite you and hurt you. You know, there's like pit bulls are some of the squishiest, most um, loving animals that I've ever met. Like they are just um, big puddles. And I think um, uh, they need people who are going to be responsible and who are going to take on that um, that added, it's not, I don't think it's a burden, but it's a responsibility when you choose to have that pet because you need to make sure that you are being a responsible owner and not putting them in situations or, um, there's a, I mean, there's a lot of, um, pit bulls that we get in our shelter who are great, um, family dogs, great with all dogs, great with cats. Um, my friend, in, uh, in Albuquerque just drove out and adopted a pit bull who lives happily with her cat and her kids and her other dogs. And then there are some that can't be, but that is the same. You could say that for any breed of dog. Yeah. And that's the thing is I think they just, every animal needs to be treated as an individual. And I would, I would just challenge someone to meet one and give them a belly rub and love them on them. Um, yeah. But yeah, so it's been, um, so that was a really, uh, so that, that offered that, or that group in Syracuse, um, offered me the opportunity to start volunteering and doing humane education, um, which was we went to schools and taught dog safety and we'd have, um, you know, animals, uh, people with their pets, hopefully a lot of times pit bulls come into the schools and just meet kids and they'd learn how to, you know, meet them safely, how to interact with them safely and that kind of thing. <clears throat> and that was um, all just on volunteer. So that worked out really well with my dog sitting job that I had at that time. So that allowed me the freedom to um, really get involved in that. And I, and I loved that because it really combined um, my passion for animals with the fun parts of teaching. So it was like, you know, I was getting to go into the schools. I wasn't, you know, I didn't have to grade papers. I didn't have to talk to parents, you know, but I still got to do, you know, still got to work with the kids and, you know, do what I love. So it was like really just the perfect um, combination of, um, of those two things. And so I did that. So I kind of built up the program there in Syracuse, which was um, really fun because it was just, again, I just kind of got to take it and do it. Um, I wanted with it. And then um, we were there for about five years and um, we were ready. We, we met some amazing people. I have still, um, you know, friends from there, but we were ready to move. Um, <laughs> and again, we put San Diego as our first choice and we got it. So that was very, Yay! very exciting. Yes. So um, yeah, so we got our orders, I think like, or he got his orders in November and then we moved San Diego in January of 2016. So we've been here almost eight years now. So this is my almost longest place. I, I was in mm -hmm. at, uh, Anchorage for nine years. So you were like January. I know. San Diego. <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. It was such, when he told me, I was like, Oh, finally. Um, we were so ready for this. So so aside from the weather, I know the weather is wonderful. What else was drawing you to San Diego? Because that was the second time you'd put it first. The weather. <laughs> like, and I would say that was more so my husband. And it was also when we were like looking at the list, like we realized how very few places that there are that like 
we want to live. Like it was interesting, but you know what? Like we put, I think our second, like our second choice, I think was Phoenix or LA, but then we had like fourth was like Chicago. So we did have like some cold weather back in there. I actually um, get tired of this weather, to be honest, like Mm -hmm. the lack Mm -hmm. of variety and the sameness. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. you were here for four years, Carla. Like it just, Mm -hmm. um, I, I miss like the change of seasons. Like Mark is mm-hmm. so happy being every day, being able to go out. Like it rained this morning, which is like, I get so excited. <laughs> it's, oh, there's wind. <laughs> you know, like I'm so happy if there's like anything that like, there's like May, it's like May gray and June gloom. Yeah. And those are like my favorite yeah. months of the year. <laughs> it's like just some difference. And I like, I love living up in the Pacific Northwest and the rain and the, like, mm-hmm. I'm so much more a, um, like just the mountains and the like the beach is completely lost on me like I yeah. like we've been That's here eight felt, too in San Diego yeah did you like the did you go to the beach Miss? no I no. never went to the beach no I mean, we would go over to Coronado Island every once in a while and have drinks out of the Dell but I <laughs> really? never went to the no. beach I worked in La Jolla so I would run oh yeah on the um, La Jolla shores yes uh, I would run that but I just had no interest in going to the beach. No. I mean, I just didn't care for it. No. I didn't. I agree. <laughs> I like, I don't want like go sit there. Like, what am I doing? No. Anyway, I watched this like Ray Romano <laughs> movie and it was like, what super, like dumb superpower would you want? And he was like, I could just go to the beach and then say, sand off. <laughs> I, was like, I like the beach when I'm going to like Hawaii or like Mexico. I will do beach then, but I didn't take advantage yeah. of it. Sure. So are you still working with dogs? Yes. And animals? Yes. Okay, yeah, tell us what, so tell that, us what you're doing. Yes. So that's really exciting. So um, so when I knew we were moving here, I started like the San Diego Humane Society is here, which is one of the largest shelters in the country. And um, so that first summer I got um, the position um, as a humane educator there. Um, my first couple years was the on-site educator, so I would do our youth programs, like um, tours, field trips, um, scout programs. I had to do birthday parties, which was um, not my favorite part, because that's not why I was doing this. But um, so, but yeah, kids having their parties at the shelter and you know doing animal introducing animals, and so I did that for about two years until our our outreach educator moved to Chicago, which um, then allowed me to move into that position. So I've been doing that for about four years now. And that, so I love, so I'm basically getting paid to do what I was doing in Syracuse as a volunteer. And I love it. I love it. So we're, so I go every day I'm out in um, a classroom. Um, We're usually, usually in um, elementary school because that's the ones who Mm -hmm. are mostly asking for it. I do go to one middle school, one high school, but, um, and we really, um, since I started really revamped the program to focus more on kind of our target areas and target neighborhoods where maybe we're getting the needs that we can make the most impact, where we're getting maybe the most animals from um, those neighborhoods where they don't have as many resources for pets. Mm -hmm. Um, We have like entire zip codes where there's not a pet supply store where there's not a veterinarian. Um, it's mm-hmm. kind of fascinating, you know, like these, you're a veterinarian and you don't want to go into those areas because you're maybe not going to make as much money as in a different area. So yeah. then you create this like resource desert for these pet families. And um, 
and I think like animal welfare is really changing to try like like not to criminalize poverty like that it's like you don't deserve to have a pet or if you can't afford if you need to come to our pet pantry and get pet food then you know that doesn't mean you love your pet any less or I mean that could right. truly your pet could be your lifeline in many situations and so we're really trying yeah. to do that like we have a pet pantry um offer more low-cost resources I mean so it's um yeah, it's so, yeah. really interesting because I was going to say, I I mean, we have two dogs mm -hmm. and it is incredibly expensive to yeah. have pets. And, you know, now that you're talking about it, it really is an equity issue because pets are wonderful. They are companions. They are, um, you know, people talk about emotional support animals. I kind of think all mm -hmm. animals at some level, that's what they are. That's what yeah. they're there for. We're not, we're, I mean, they're not. That's what, that's what we rely on them for. Some people may need them more than others, but um, you think about that. And I mean, in the last month, I had two dogs get burrs in their feet, right? Mm -hmm. Little foxtails. Each one of those was $900, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Then just the regular vaccines and all that stuff and Duke needing a little, you know, allergy shot or something yeah. like that and food and all that stuff. And, you know, how it feels, you know, inequitable if people can't afford to have a pet. Like, how do you make pet care more affordable? Because it's just not. Absolutely. And then also, or, yeah, and then what's, what's very hard is, so you love your pet and you want to keep your pet, but you can't afford that. So then mm -hmm. you keep them and they have a burr in their foot or they, or they get the foxtail in your ear or you don't treat, people, families aren't able to treat it. So then the pet right. is suffering. And, and then it's like, oh, look at these people. And it's like no like i mean no. well, exactly <laughs> like there's so we i mean have programs in place and there's but still it's like you have to be able to have a computer and be able to figure out how to apply for those programs even you know it's like i don't know if you mm -hmm. just saw the like cnn hero of the year did you did you guys watch that or follow mm -hmm. that so mm -hmm. it's really cool mm -hmm. this um he was a stand he actually was from albuquerque i don't know what high school he went to um, but he's a veterinarian and he now lives in san diego and he has a program called project street vet and he literally just walks the streets and like treats homeless people, um, unhoused people and their dogs and cats and whoever's there. And that's like his mission. And it's, it's very cool. He just won in December, like, and, uh, cool. um, yeah. And it's like, but it's true. I mean, just bringing those resources. I mean, we have, my office looks over the courtyard and we have a free, free pet food pantry and people can just come and get, um, food and, you know, sometimes flea meds or whatever, but, again, you have to be able to get there. You have to, it's, it's really interesting. And it's, um, I mean, I think just shelters right now all across the country are in crisis. We have so many pets, so many animals. We were at an all time high um, this summer. We had, I think 2,700 animals in care at one time. Um, we had over 700 dogs. Like, is that a post COVID bubble? Yeah. I think um, there's a lot of financial and then like all the um, spay neuter services were on hold um, during COVID and you're seeing the results of that. Like I think last month we had like 170 puppies in care and that's like craziness. Like, yeah, I, I mean, and then oh there's, I mean, there's so many things like, there's like kitten season, you know, cause cats have their breeding season. So like our kitten season went like, it's usually like April to October and we were far into December I mean, we just, our shelter adopts out like 9,000 kittens a year. I mean, it's just like, 
I know. It's just there's it's like, and then like we, I was just my boss and I were talking the other day. It's like looking and it's like 23% of people get their pets from a shelter, and it just is like, it's just there's so many animals, they're so deserving, and it's just like so. Mm-hmm. I'm with Brad Ryan. Adopt. I, know, adopt, I was gonna adopt. say. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say Brad was really a big yeah. um, proponent. Yeah. Talked yes. pretty vocally about yeah um, the importance of pet adoption and you know you can if you like your your german shepherd or you like your cocker spaniel there are plenty of animals who are pure that are purebred or almost purebred also who absolutely um, yeah i mean i know you love the cavaliers my mom like yeah there's my mom got a cavalier (laughs) from a rescue like i mean Mm -hmm. yeah you might have to wait longer you might have to be a little more patient or you maybe aren't Mm -hmm. getting the tiny little puppy that you want but like yeah there's purebred dog rescues and yeah, and it's just, there's so many, like, that's, that's I think, like, it's, I've been doing, I've been at the shelter for eight years now, and I will say it's finally, like, it's, it's getting to me. It's, like, really mm-hmm. hard, because it's, like, I think, like, there was a meme I saw the other day, and it's, like, you, um, get involved with animal rescue, and you, too, can hate everyone by 9 a.m. in the morning. Because <laughs> like, there's, it's, like, you yeah. just, like, walk across the courtyard, and it's, like, oh, here, I need to get rid of my dog, or people who are clearly like, oh, this is a stray animal and it's mm-hmm. this animal clinging to them because like we don't have appointments, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just, mm-hmm. it's hard. It's, or you just see the people who really are trying and they can't afford it or, right. um, or I go to schools and the things that kids say about like the treatment of their own animals or, and it's, it's, it's mm-hmm. hard. It's, it gets, it wears mm-hmm. you down because it's like, th- there are lots of good and there's lots of successes, but it, it does get challenging, especially like, in these times where it's really like we're we have so many animals and i think adopt not only have the numbers increased i think adoptions have decreased and like you said it's expensive mm-hmm. and so do you think that there's well i'm thinking about there's the education portion mm-hmm. of of the work right and then there's also the charitable part of it right people contributing to the shelters I also feel like advocacy is a huge need in this space. And I know that in Austin, the city supports a lot of the animal mm-hmm. rescue of efforts here and even coordinates wow. um, free dog mm-hmm. training for certain pets. My, my son um, is 21 and adopted a pit bull last summer and she is not an easy animal. Mm-hmm. She is a total sweetheart, but she has so much energy. She was two years old when um, when she came to live with him. And I mean, when I go over there, there mm-hmm. is nothing she wants to do more than lick my face. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that's, you know, I'm okay with, you know, handling that. But what's really wonderful is that um, through the city of Austin, he has a trainer who's wow. been working with them for six months now. Who comes for to free? The house and they said oh, you wow. get, tw- yes, for free. Holy they moly. Get six months for free. And then after that, the trainer says to the city, oh, wow. this animal needs more support. That's incredible. And they extended it. I know. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. But Austin is a no-kill city. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, you know, volunteerism as well as advocacy, mm-hmm. both at the local and even at the state level. 
um, and seeing the benefit for my son mm -hmm. who would otherwise be living alone. It has mm -hmm. been so wonderful for him to have the crazy canine cuddler. <laughs> the named canine cuddler, the canine cuddler. That is a superhero right there. She wants to get under the covers and she will let oh, him sleep until like 10 or 11 in the morning. Match. It's amazing. So if you think about what you imagined mm -hmm. your life would be like now when you were in high school. Oh my Does gosh. Does it look anything like you thought that's, it was That's going really to? interesting. I'd say probably not. Like, you know, it's like, I always kind of want, like my mom was a teacher. So I always thought I wanted to be a teacher and I kind of just did that direction. And then like, it's so funny. Like I, in high, in college, I missed like a, the student teaching deadline or something. I don't know. And then I was like, well, forget it. And then I just like got like an English degree, <laughs> you know? And then I was like, well, now what am I doing with this? So, um, and then, so a few years later, I went back and got my teaching certification. And um, it's funny how things, but I think things all happen for reason. I think if I had gotten my teaching right out of college, I would not have been ready. I think I would be one of those who like with eighth graders, oh, I just want you to be my friend. Like, I think I was probably not like mature enough ready to be it at that time. So I think um, that time going to Alaska and doing other things like um, worked out. Um, and I certainly don't think I would have thought about, I think was probably thought I was more of a homebody. Like I went off for college, but came back, you know, but I, I have loved that part of my life. I think that, that moving like, um, off to Alaska, that was my own adventure. But then, you know, uh, Bellingham, Syracuse, San Diego have kind of been um, for work and things. But I've loved that. Like that is, I think that's been such an incredible gift because I have so many, um, I've met so, I have so many different people in different places and different experiences. And I mm -hmm. am so thankful for the different people that I've met um, and the friends that I have um, in the in the places that I've been. And I think that's been, I think that's been such a gift. Like I've, and I think, yeah, in every place, you know, like it was a different mm -hmm. evolution or learning something new, you know, and, um, uh, and I think in animals, I mean, like if you ask Heather Kennedy next week, like she'll be like, I don't know who you're talking about because she would come to my house in high school and not let the dog jump on her and was like, get her away from me. It's like, <laughs> I wondered about that. Did the, the animal, the, the passion for animals did not develop. It's so, it's your, like truly, truly, yes. Because I mean, we had like pets growing up. Um, mm -hmm. Like we had a lot of dogs and our dogs were having puppies and our cats were having kittens. It's like, I feel like my job is now to make up for all of the unwanted pets we brought into the world. And like gave, like honest to God, I remember <laughs> we had like, one day I came home and our dog was tied to our mailbox and it said free to a good home. And it was like, my parents did that. Like it's, horrible no I know it's like oh my gosh what is oh my so no so it's like so you know you talk to like these people who are like you know vegans and veg and it's like I've always like I saw caterpillar when I was two you know and I was like I never like wanted to cause harm to animals but I wasn't like this like innate thing that I always had I mean I, like we talked about like I killed mil no, I didn't personally kill millions of salmon every year but like I worked in a salmon processing plant. And you were you were a, you were aiding and abetting the salmon I know. I think of like when we would like go on a boat and like we'd like fish for salmon, and then my friend had a like a little mini bat, and it's like, oh my god, Stacy! Like it just is like, like you look back and and like the like 
the love of all animals. Like Mark's uh, brother was vegetarian. Him and his wife were vegetarian. And I remember being like, Mark and I were like, oh, great. What are we going to eat at Christmas? You know, <laughs> I think like one of the, so I have to remind myself when I, that I was once one of those snarky people and like, or like, oh, we're going to feed our niece hot dogs when they're not looking, you know, and like, like we didn't do that. But like, you know, like just one of those where we're like, so I have to take a step back sometimes when I get like, but one time he, so it was when I was in Bellingham and he, and I was really, really involved in dog rescue. And he just said, he said to me, he goes, of all people, I'm surprised you're not vegetarian. And it really took me aback. And I was like, excuse you. And it was like, but it also like confronted me with my own hypocrisy. And mm-hmm. like, I'm sitting here, like working so hard to help dogs and to help this animal and fighting for them while at the same time, you know, three times a day, putting food on my plate that is causing a measurable suffering and harm to animals who I say that I love. And um, why am I doing it for one, not the other? And it really just made me kind of question that. And, and then that's when I just started learning more. I, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, you know, there was like at that time, like food ink and forks over knives and um, just started um, learning more and went vegetarian in 2009. And then um, kind of the same thing. Like I was like, well, if I'm vegetarian for these ethical reasons and because I don't want to cause harm to animals, the dairy industry is probably worse and more cruel than, you know, the meat industry. So it was like really one of those where I had to put my money where my mouth was. And it was like, if you're really, this is what you believe, then, um, then you need to take that next step and give up cheese, which is, you know, like, and it was hard. Yeah. I, was, I know. It was, I know. <laughs> <laughs> which was, it was hard. Like, you know, like bacon was really hard for me. I love, but like pigs have become yeah. my favorite animal. Like they're incredible. They're smarter than dogs. They're so, um, they have, they all have, I mean, the cows, they all have personalities. They're individuals. And it's like, you start to just see it differently. And, um, and now I will say is a very, very mm-hmm. good time to be vegan because there are, yeah. I mean, you can eat like beyond meat. I mean, there's so many alternatives that like, um, even we're getting better at the cheese, you know, that, so you don't feel necessarily that yeah. you're having to give up. Like if I was like in the seventies and having to be like a raw vegan, I'd probably be very bad at it, but you can be really good junk food vegan now. <laughs> I mean, makes you have a lot of respect for Alan Brassbeer, who was a vegan when we were in high school. Oh my, that is, yeah, that's impressive. That yeah. is some dedication. <laughs> I know. Cause yeah, so it definitely was this evolution and it's um, so Jan, January 1st, what was two days ago was my 11th veganiversary. <laughs> That's a new word for you. <laughs> I, I owe it all back to Miss Lila, who was my dog in, in Anchorage, who just, I think changed everything. So yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious, you've been, you've moved lots of places. Sounds like your husband really likes San Diego. <laughs> What is in the future for you? There might be some room for negotiation about moving, but I definitely, um, uh, I travel back and forth to Albuquerque a lot. My uh, older brother needs um, uh, some, he is now in, uh, he needs lifelong support. So that's been um, something that I'm doing lots of back and forth. And then I also find myself like going back to the places where I have, made connections and things so I think Mm -hmm. I will say like what did I think you and Susan made a name for it Susan Stokem when you were talking about how like your hobby is 
hanging out with friends. What was the word you came up yeah. with? Yeah. Well, what did you call it? Because I liked it and made it sound more productive than I'm just hanging out with my friends. <laughs> I don't remember. I need, like, um, like maintaining the relationships that I and friendships I have from the different places. I think uh, we're doing a good job of traveling. We got to go to Africa, which was like the greatest experience of mm. my life. Mark's parents took us there. Shout out to Mark's parents. That was incredible. That was that was just that's awesome that was amazing like just seeing talk about amazing animals to see. Well, exactly you're seeing them in their natural habitats and just living as they should be and it was it was very mm -hmm. incredible so i'd say doing some traveling i would like to i would like to expand my travel beyond going back to albuquerque numerous times <laughs> just for family i'll tell you that so yeah and yeah else that answered your question. Um, i feel like i'm a bad do you ever swing a tennis do you ever swing a tennis I racket anymore or have you i do not yeah it has been years. Like I dabbled in it a little bit after, but it's like, I just, I might be to the point where I could start again, but I either wanted to like play and be good or I, it was not fun if I was like just playing every once in a while and not good. Yeah. So just like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. That would, yeah. I know this is the place to do it if I'm going to do it. I feel like people who played that competitive level of tennis either go one of those two ways. They either keep playing mm -hmm. or they just quit entirely. There's not really an, an in between. Middle ground. Yeah. No, yeah. I know. I feel like yeah. um, pickleball is such a craze now that maybe, Yeah. and that might be a little, I know. So maybe have you, are you doing that? <laughs> um, you know, I play every once in a while. Okay. My next door neighbors have a tennis court and they've, lined it with pickleball lines oh, okay. now and I'm another friend who has a court at her house. So oh my occasionally, I know occasionally I'll p play and it's in, uh, in Oregon, there's pickleball courts all over Black Butte Ranch, which is where we have our house. And it's like they've turned, it used to be all these tennis courts and now it's all pickleball. <laughs> it's crazy. It has so, definitely yeah. taken over. Is there anything else you kind of want to tell us about your life before we sort of sort of that you just feel like is like, ah, oh, you really want to share this or a learning or something that you've maybe learned about yourself. Oh gosh. <laughs> what have I learned about myself? I feel like this is, this upcoming year is going to be a really, um, I've, what I, I'm resolving to let go of things that don't make me happy. So I feel like this is mm. going to be a big year of change in some good ways, maybe some hard ways, but I think, um, uh, yeah just 2024 we're not going to settle anymore for things so so as well <laughs> i love it i love it yes well we thought we might spend a little time going to the past yes. just a little bit of time um and one of the things we always ask people is to just give us a little reflections on what you thought about yourself oh, back in high school what, what were your impressions of stacy at the time her oh my um, gosh this what is my, like my favorite part of today will be listening to your introduction and talking about me behind my back. I love those points <laughs> when we like talk about people and it's like, oh, what did they, you know, um, I don't know. I feel like I was more insecure and more like worried about what everybody thought. So I joined in freshman year with Stephanie. Stephanie Miles was, um, we were best friends in middle school and then I like my sophomore year, I went to La Cueva for like the first three weeks. Do you remember this? I was like, if you guys had gotten out the yearbook, I was like, no. I was gonna be like, oh my God. Cause I think like, you know how it's like, so-and-so leaves behind whatever. Do you remember that? Uh, and it was like, we Stace, were going to ask you about that. Yes. We and were, it's like, Stacey Herf leaves. We talked about that. I said, what, <laughs> yeah, what, what do you mean leaving? Leaves we don't for the get last it. time. Like, 
I know. So, so, that, so I left. So this is, I think, like maybe a uh, issue I have in life is that, and I think more so back then, I feel like I'm better now, but like, oh, it'll be this, like, if anything's not perfect, like, oh, I just like that LaQuava looks like it'll be better over there. Or that's what, it, that has what I'm missing. Like, not just figuring out like what's going on, but maybe like there's an answer outside of myself or like, oh, that will, mm. like, that'll be fun. And that's a new school or that's, you know, not that anything. So it's funny. So I went there for like three weeks and I was like, what are you doing? Like, this is terrible. And go back. And then junior year, I left for the whole year, but that was because my parents got divorced right before, and it just became a financial situation. And, and so then I- Wait, you were not- I wasn't there the whole left junior year. Ju- where'd you go San for junior year? Isn't that funny? I know. <laughs> wow. I love Jessica's face. I know. So I wasn't there the whole junior year. I know. So then wow. I came back senior okay. year, which I'm very grateful for. And yes, yes. So that's why my dumb thing said, like, she left for the last time. <laughs> oh, mystery I solved. I know. So, well, let's do our 10 questions, although we are only going to do nine because you already answered one of okay, them. Okay, good. That's good. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Woo, woo. All right. I'll, I'll kick us off. Oh my gosh. Who was your high school crush? This is so funny because you know what brought this back to me, Carla, was your answer. What? Your answer in the first episode. And I was like, oh my God, I loved Hutch so much. I (laughs) (laughs) We were like fighting over him without even knowing it. Not even knowing it. it. Well, and he, yeah, neither (laughs) of us going to win. So, (laughs) so. Oh my gosh. So I remember it. And then you're like, Oh my God. And then you like said his white Subaru and like all of this like came flooding back to me. And it was so <laughs> funny. And I actually think oh I, um, so he, you know, he played tennis. So we had that connection, but I, I think I remember like writing him a letter cause he was older than us. So I remember writing yeah, him yeah. a letter at college and he wrote me a letter back and I, like nothing like anything, like I, anything, any, just being a nice human being. But I remember being so excited excited and like just saving that letter for the longest time and just having dreams of hot dreamy yes dreamy um so our second question was actually the question about oh. the yearbook we were going to ask you about that line in, in the will so now that's been done so we'll go straight to question number three what 1980s fad trend film whatever were you really into you were like i live by that oh gosh um, I don't think I have anything that I live by. I will say like Polo and like the Limited and Benetton. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What car did you drive in high school and how did it meet its demise? My first, before I got my own car, I was allowed to drive my dad's. Um, he had a Ford Explorer too. And the only reason I'm bringing this up is because, so my dad was a hunter so he has like, so he would go duck hunting, pheasant hunting. So like his living room is like just sitting in a room of death. It's like, <laughs> God, like, I don't know. The taxidermy. Oh, all over the place. Heads. Like elk, <laughs> antelope, like a, like a live, like full, like full body, like badger on a, a, and it's like, what is how So this is again, where I feel like I just like, I finally came full circle from about like what happening like i like oh, a rattlesnake skin laying on the back of the couch wow. and it's just like oh my god so i go there and it's like so awful but so 
Okay, so this is what he did. My dad, okay. So he would, this is so horrible. I don't even want, I, so he would chop off the like duck head or whatever. You're like, how does this have to do with your car? <laughs> so, so he would chop off the duck head and then put it on the antenna. Thank you, Jessica. That is the correct face to react to that. So like this dead duck head was just like <laughs> on, like this was sticking straight up. So like the beak was just up. And I was like, so I like have to drive around town with that. So that's like, or if I drove around town with him, like people would leave like dirty, no- like nasty notes on the windshield or like they like yell at us. <laughs> oh my God. It was so awful. So like I started like, um, like taking a paper towel or something and like taking the head off and like leaving it in the car during the <laughs> And then like I get oh home God. and then like returning it, you know, before I got home. And he was like, and then he realized, he figured out that I was doing that because I don't know, I'm sure that I don't know what the head looked like. And so he's like, if you're going to do that, you can't, I will not let you borrow the car. My dad is very, <laughs> so yeah. So then I was like, wow. okay, I just have to drive around with this horrible thing and then finally I think when I was a junior I got a rabbit convertible and I didn't have to put any dead animals on it so oh my god so uh and that car I don't know how it I think I just that one sold before I went to college and I got a GTI that did meet a horrible demise when someone borrowed it and wrecked it but um Uh, yes so lots of cars So question number five, what song or band would be on the soundtrack of your high school experience? Um, like I was not like way big into music like other people, but I always think of like, like I loved In Excess and um, like Bon Jovi, I think. So like, like In Excess, like never tears apart. And then I always think of that like video with the signs like me. high school teacher had the greatest influence on you? There's definitely some ones that stand out. I had um, Dan Entwistle for like, I think my mm-hmm. freshman and senior year. And I remember freshman year was just really um, fun. I think I had Dana in that class and Dan Willis. I loved Dan Willis. Um, mm-hmm. We had so much fun. And I just remember like, I don't know. He just, well, first of all, I remember he put me in my place very quickly, which probably was good. Like I remember like, and it was like, I was new to the Academy and we had to do like a book report and I can't remember which book I did the book report on, but I did it on a book that I'd already read because I was not prepared. And so I did the book report in front of the whole class. And, um, and when I was finished, Mr. Amwistle said, thank you for sharing about that book that we all read in sixth grade. I was like, oh my God, it was so, but it, I didn't, I also loved, um, uh, Mr. Musgrave was really great. He was, um, cause tennis coach. So I really, um, 
I really liked him a lot. I connected with him. Okay, question number seven. What artifact from your high school years should you have put in a time capsule that represented you in high school? This is probably very boring, but I would say like it was pretty much my life at that time was ten so I put a tennis racket in there. Because I think that like from, you know, my younger years through college was pretty much my my focus in life mm -hmm. and um, yeah. what I spent time. So a tennis racket. Certainly not a duck head. <laughs> no. no. Oh, God. Your dad maybe, but not you. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> oh, I'll, yeah, he can be buried with all his taxidermy. <laughs> What, if anything, do you regret from high school? I think probably, like, again, I think it's one of those, like, just, I think, worrying too much about maybe what other people are going to think or what's popular or, like, oh, I don't want to, like, like this person because this person's not in this group or, mm -hmm. like, just, um, just, yeah, you just wish you had the wherewithal when you're 15, 16, 17 years old to just know. But that's what being a teenager is about and being high school and being insecure. And um, so, yeah, just yeah. wish, like, yeah, just made some choices or done some things that you wanted to do instead of, like, yeah, being worried about the perception of such things, I guess. So maybe the next question about what would you tell your high school self if you could go back in time about the future? What would you would you say to 18 year old Stacy? Oh gosh. Like, yeah, kind of, uh, it's, it's, it's all like, I just think, yeah, like kind of like, it doesn't, this is all in your head. <laughs> like, you know. And I do think <laughs> too, just like, like listening to everybody too. It's like, nobody's paying attention to anybody else really. You know what I mean? Like we're all right. so in our heads and worried about, Oh, gosh, what is, what is that going to, what are people going to think if I do that? Or what, like, mm -hmm. nobody's paying attention to you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. That's so true. It is, isn't it? All right. Our last question. What would be the title of your high oh school goodness. memoir? You know, like I said, after listening to, well, and I just feel this way in life in general, that I have the worst memory and I'm so en envious of your life. <laughs> like these little details that you share. And it's like, oh my gosh. Like if I can remember like a big event, I'm impressed. So I think that I would have, I would, I would have an empty journal and I would title it. You will wish you had written this down. <laughs> so this is my, that's my advice for everybody. <laughs> and then maybe you can remember your high school years better than I can. So, but you know, what's so funny is I don't follow my own advice now. I can, I'm not going to remember my fifties at this rate. So I should Maybe yeah. I'll start my journaling after. That'll be my New Year's resolution. <laughs> hey, it's never too late. Never too late. Yeah. My husband has this one line a day journal, but it's five years on each page. Is it that little blue one? And he, it's little blue, and he writes a, like what he did that day, and then the next year he writes, and the next, the next year he writes on the same page. It's literally a line, and a, one book lasts you five years and he's on his third book he's done it pretty ah, much every that's day amazing for 15 years but he'll be like guess what we were doing five years ago <laughs> yeah he's and that's so fun to have it on the same page so you see like what yeah. you were yeah like i January love that first or whatever okay i'm gonna send everyone a copy okay at our, yeah at our reunion which is yeah. september of 2024 <gasps> maybe we should bring the five-year books and then we'll give everybody 
yeah. the five-year journal. And at our 40th compare. We will all have oh my our gosh, five years that, of what we've done. That is a great. Well, maybe we should try that. I do but like I that because then if I know I'm also supposed okay. to, like I'm being held, not held accountable, but like that'll be more. And right. how, ooh, that's yes. fun. And then you can yeah, charge your growth fun. of the last five years. I okay. Like and among all of our thousands of listeners, if anyone would like to sponsor. <laughs> Someone like to underwrite that. Years. That is an excellent <laughs> idea. Underwrite that. That's right. Please let our agents know. Oh our attorneys will contact your attorney. I love that. That can be part of our uh, our reunion uh, budget. There we go. Yeah, totally. Why not? Totally. Why not? Jessica and Carla's High School Reunion is written, directed, and edited by Carla Silver and Jessica Slade. Our theme music, True Sight, is by Jared Matt Greenberg. Please subscribe and listen on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.